You're listening to a sermon from Covenant Church. All right, we're going to begin a new series. Uh, turn to Genesis 37, story of Joseph. It's on page 31. There's Bibles underneath the seats. By the way, we restock those. You're free to take one of those. Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We're going to look at the first 11 verses of this chapter to introduce the series. So, far side, there's an old far side cartoon. A normal family convention. It's a huge auditorium for the normal family convention. There's like three people up about 50 seats back. Every family, okay, we're going to look at a blessed but broken family. Sounds like the church in some ways. The church is a family. Might sound like your family. Being a Christian is to be adopted into a family. The sermon drops us into a different story. Actually, believing in Jesus drops you into a story. Did you know that? When you believe in Jesus, actually, your story has a brand new chapter, a better chapter. It's possible to, to live into another story. Here's a story. Hey, the world came from nothing. It's headed nowhere. And the only meaning that there is for me in my life is what I self-create and promote and also market online on social media to prove that I've done it. That's a story to live in. We get stories from our families too. Maybe your dad was super successful or your mom and you're like, I got to be successful and do this stuff like my mom or dad. Maybe they're a, they were a failure somehow and that shadow haunts you. It's actually another way to live in your story's family that's negative, outrunning that shadow. What's the story you're living in? Is it to prove that you're successful and that you're somebody and you bought stuff and display it so people can see it? You've arrived. That's a, that's a story to live in. Jesus invites us to live. Look, we're given things to enjoy and have and also share, but Jesus actually invites us into a better story. Maybe you feel like your family went off the rails at Dysfunction Junction. Maybe you feel like your family was never on the rails. Um, I want to speak to young people directly about this. Teenagers, college students. Here's me at, in when I went to college. I was a Christian. I went to public high school, was a Christian, wanted to hang out with some Christian folks. So I went to this Christian college. One of the things that was hard, everyone's parents seemed more functional than mine. My dad had a secret addiction that I wasn't supposed to tell anybody about. So I walked around with shame. I mean, knowing what I know now, there, some of that dysfunction just looked different. Mine was more obvious, I thought. And I was way angrier than most of the people I hung out with. Uh... It was gospel stuff I needed to work out in my character and life. It was things that needed to be healed. Anger that I needed to confess and have touched and transformed. Maybe you can relate to that. Young people, do you relate to this? Maybe there's some family stuff. And some of what you're struggling with is family stuff that you're seeking to work out. And actually the Church of Jesus, this is a place where we're being... Refamilied. There's 
God brought spiritual uncles and aunts and, yes, gospel fathers and mothers into my life that I learned from. We're going to see there's hope for broken people from broken families. And there's gospel hope and comfort for parents, too. Are you a nervous parent? Are you in, I'm, I've been a nervous parent a lot of times. Here's what's not the gospel. Parents, can I tell you what? Not the gospel. Here's a non-gospel for parents. Hey, it's all up to you. And unless you do everything right, your kids are done. Everything that they amount to spiritually is up to you and is your fault if it goes off. It's just not true. It's not true. That's actually a false gospel. Um, the gospel, Jesus is better news than that. Here's some good news. The Lord will wipe, wipe the tears off of all faces at the great day. That's how the Bible ends. This was a relief to me as an early freaked, on, freaked out parent that some of the tears that will be wiped off my kids' faces, I will have put there. And I don't know, maybe that's too dark for you for the sermon intro. That's actually a comfort that actually, hey, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can and trying to grow as a husband and as a dad. And there's some things, and I need to set an example, at least of this, let's, hey, by God's grace, we seek to do things right and honor God. And sometimes, hey, you'll blow it. I get this, sometimes you will absolutely blow it. And you'll have to show your kids what the gospel looks like and be like, hey, can I name this? And will you forgive me for this? And I'm really sorry. There's gospel hope and comfort for parents. So, welcome to the story of Joseph. It's actually really good news because it points to the bigger, deeper, truer transformation that we get in the story of Jesus. All right? So the first 11 verses of Genesis 37, we're just going to walk through it, then we can consider how this points us to the gospel of Jesus. First two verses, Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Now, let me just do a little background. This is kind of like before Previously in Genesis, this is if this was a Netflix show, I would have to do a little previously in Genesis to bring you up to speed. Genesis is broken up into 10 accounts of someone's generation. This is the 10th account. It's how it's structured. And between now until chapter 50, it's the generation of Jacob, the story of Jacob's family. So there's a reference to Jacob and also Jacob's father his father's sojournings. His father was on a journey started by God because his father, a guy named Abram, that God actually changed his name. Abram, you're childless. Actually, you're going to be a father. You and your Sarah, you're childless. You're going to be a father and a father of many, so much so that God changes his name. God changes Abram's name to Abraham, father of many. And this is Joseph's great-grandfather. Genesis 12. Listen to Genesis 12, what God said to Abram 
before he even changed his name. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Think about that. Leave everything. Leave your father's house to the land that I will show you. I'm not telling you where it is now. Just begin traveling. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. A blessed family. He was childless. He's going to be blessed to have a family. And this family is going to be a blessing to the world through you. I know, Abram, you can't picture this yet, and I, God hadn't even changed his name yet. But actually through you is going to be blessing to people from all these nations. You can't even picture it yet. But in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Who can imagine? And the word blessed is used again and again. It's also, okay, between Genesis 12 and Genesis 37, we see this blessed family who God defends and saves and helps and reconfirms his promises, and they're also a broken family. They're a dysfunctional family. There's favoritism, okay? Favorite kids, favorite wives, when guys had multiple wives, which did not, they weren't that having multiple wives and then having a favorite and then the kids interacting, that goes about as well as you think it would go, right? What could possibly go wrong? Favoritism, multiple wives, favorite wives, favorite kids. Joseph is born as the 11th of 12 sons, one father and four mothers. It's messy. Men who lie, sometimes are passive. Uh, women who lie, deceivers, tricksters. Sexual sin, the men, there's a pattern of violence, okay? There's some crazy uncles here that I'm going to tell you later about that could just explode in violence. So lying, sexual sin, violence, favoritism, drunkenness, besides that, no one had any baggage. Isaac was a favorite son. Isaac had a favorite, Isaac had a favorite son, Esau. Rebecca, Isaac's wife, she had a favorite son, Jacob. You know what Jacob means? It means he takes by the heel. It means heel grasper. It's code word. It's a euphemism for deceiver. Heel grasper. You trip people up. Heel grasper. That's Jacob's name. God changes his name to Israel. He strives with God. Now, obviously, there's some sins and patterns in the favoritism thing. You actually see it passed down. They're generational patterns. Uh, some of these generational patterns even make it into our, our comedies. Anybody a fan of the show Arrested Development? Any Arrested Development fans in the house? Thank you. I've been re-watching it uh, recently. Now the story of a wealthy family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together, it's Arrested Development. And their growth is stunted, and they're in some of the same patterns. Lucille, the grandmother, says to Mamie, her granddaughter, your mother always thought I was too critical. It's another one of her many faults. <laughs> this family has patterns. We know that that's real from life. Our shows and movies show that. 
let's see what this family's like now. Let's be introduced to Joseph as a young adult. Next verse. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him, could not speak peacefully to him. So here's what we learn about Joseph and his character. He's the son of Rachel, the favorite wife. So he's the favorite firstborn from the favorite wife. Uh, Bilhah and Zilpah, you know, we have multiple, we have multiple wives going on here. Joseph also had a big mouth. Bad report doesn't just mean he was a tattletale. He was a, pat, a tattletale, but the Hebrew word also means it has the connotation of unfair report. You're ratting out uh, the other sons, but it was a bad report. He wouldn't even be unfair. He also has this robe. Now, it's a, a robe of many colors. That's from the Greek translation of the Hebrew word. It actually, in the Hebrew, means uh, like a royal robe. There's probably some king thing. It wasn't just like imagine giving one of your kids a visor that says favorite kid. Okay, problem, right? Not good, not a good idea. But it's also a royal coat. And there's some backstory here. Jacob's renaming to Israel happens in Genesis 32. It's also in 35. Genesis 35, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob. Think about God's authority. Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob. But Israel shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. In this verse, which, by the way, became true, God just speaks these things and says, a king shall come from your own body. And it looks like instead of waiting for God, um, Israel, formerly Jacob, says, I know, I'm not going to wait to hear from God. Let's just make it my favorite son from my favorite wife, the one that was born in his old age. So what happens next? Well, and let's just point this out. They hated him. They saw that their father loved them. It hurt them. So you have a hurt family. You have injured siblings. They hate them because they're hurt. It's not hard to see where the, the hate came from. And then this happens. Genesis 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now here's what's the thing. You're, this is what's complex. 
God had spoken to family members through prophetic dreams. Is this prophetic? Is this from God? God had spoken. You notice God didn't tell Joseph to tell his brothers the dream. Joseph decides to do that. And you hear his eagerness. Behold, everybody, here's this neat thing. Hey, uncle. Hey, brothers. Isn't this going to be great for you to listen to? Behold, behold. They're like, really? Okay. They're older than him. Okay. Probably well older, decades older. And so how, how would they receive the 17 year old with the, with the dream? Hey guys, I have something really neat to share. You're going to love it. Uh, remember also, these are dangerous men. Uh, does your family have like an uncle Bob where everyone's like, you know what? Don't mess with uncle Bob. He gets a couple too many beers at Thanksgiving. Don't bring up this topic. You know, he might like just do something. Okay. Uh, this is a family like that. This family would be able to say things like that. Hey, ever remember when that guy assaulted our aunt Dina and our uncle Simeon and Levi, they didn't just kill the guy who assaulted her. They killed his dad and killed all the men in the town. That's their family. Uh, don't mess with Uncle Simeon and Uncle Levi. There's been other things that, okay, we're going to go through this. This, There's some violence there that's just under the surface. There are people who are in need of saving and transformation. Probably your family has some legendary stories. Probably in the history of your family, if you look in there, hopefully there'll be some heroes that be like, you know, my family is like, look, these heroes, and many of us, you know, they're immigrants that we look back to, look at their bravery in coming here. Uh-oh. There are wilder characters in our family. My family has a, uh, my, there are heroes and people look up to a people of faith and just fun characters. My grandmother's brother, so my great uncle, his name was Clyde. His nickname was Banjo because he liked to dance and he had a hook for a hand. And when I play Tree Truce and a Lie, I said, my uncle, I have a great uncle Banjo with a hook for a hand who died in coal mine because he got smashed in between two coal cars. And that was a family and the picture of him hanging in a tree by the hook in his hand. Those family stories go down, right? And these are the people that made us laugh and had joy, uh, like my great uncle. And there's heroes and there's also in our families, there tends to be things that families try to write out of the story, things we're ashamed of addictions that people had that in that story and it's sadly that didn't go well and things that are less fun to name to others so the brash 17 year old he's announcing to his complicated family his blessed family his broken family hey here's this dream then you know what happens he dreams another dream check this out verse 9 Then he dreamed another dream, and he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars were bowing down to me. 
Can you imagine? I'm just saying that. Hey, everybody. Neato. Guess what? Verse 10. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him, said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So it's not just the 11 brothers, it's mom and dad. His father snaps out of it, rebukes him. It ends with his brothers jealous. And also it ends with dad thinking about it. What does this mean? Is this from God? What does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with us? What does this blessed and broken family have to do with Jesus? Okay, three ways the story of Joseph is going to point us to the story of Jesus. And when I say the gospel of Jesus, I mean the story, the true story of Jesus that's real and true. When you believe in him, you enter into this different story. Three ways the story of Joseph points us to the gospel of Jesus. The first is this. The gospel of Jesus, okay, the gospel is the massive plan and true story of God. So this is what you believe in Jesus, you actually enter into this story. And Joseph's story, God, we're going to see God's at work in ways nobody can see yet. They don't know what's happening. And here's what's great and it's deeply comforting. God even uses the brokenness and sin, the wrong things, the favoritism. God even uses the sin against them. He shows, he's going to show Joseph his sin. But God even uses the sin against the family and the sin against Joseph as part of his plan. And ultimately, this all points to Jesus. Here's a super old quote about how the New Testament and the Old Testament relate. Okay, so the Old Testament is all the the story of God and the people of Israel, and it all points forward to Jesus, and that Jesus comes. That's what Christians call the New Testament, the New Testament scriptures. Here's a quote from Augustine. Uh, who lived in North Africa, died in AD 40. The new, as in the New Testament, is in the old concealed. The old, the Old Testament is in the new revealed. Okay, we're going to see things, and we're going to be able to understand things now looking back, because here's the story of the Bible, it's all about Jesus. And all God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus. What am I talking about? Well, there's going to be another son that actually comes from this messed up family. A king will come. He's actually really is descended from these people. And it's God's plan. And this son also is born to rule. He's born to be king. But he didn't lord it over his brothers. He didn't lord it over his sisters but he laid down his life for his brothers and sisters. The world, at this point, is aching for that king, needing that king. And yes, we believe in that king and lift up to that, lift up that king and pray to that king. It's Jesus. Who would have thought this up? This is how the Bible fits together, okay? The gospel is the massive plan and true story of God, and God is actually weaving in even the, the brokenness and crazy stuff. The worst thing that's ever happened... Here's a Tim Keller quote. It's been said all over the place. The worst thing that's ever happened was the crucifixion of the Son of God. 
And God used that uh, to save us and save the world. The gospel is the massive plan and true story of God. Second, the gospel is that anyone can be adopted into God's family through Jesus. So yeah, enter that story. So here's the invitation. You're investigating Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, this is what happens. Your sins are forgiven and you are adopted into a family, the family of God. That's why we talk about community here at this church. We're seeking to live out family relationships and the word for each other in, in the New Testament and throughout church history is brother, sister. We're brothers and sisters because we've all been adopted through Jesus. Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has set the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We're adopted as sons, and we have inheritance rights as sons. Now get this, he means male and female. You're all sons. He uses that language for both male and female because we all have good and equal inheritance rights. Just before uh, Galatians 4, he says in Galatians 3, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. There's not slave or free. There's not Jew or Gentile. Actually, we're all adopted together. And so, uh, sisters in Christ, Sisters in Christ have to say, okay, when it says sons, that means I'm adopted in with full inheritance rights. Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3. Men have to adjust in other places of Scripture when it says the church is the bride of Jesus. And brothers, we are part of Jesus' cherished bride. The point is this, the larger point, just to back up, anyone can be adopted in, look at Galatians 4, that adoption, it's, it's permanent, and it happens through Jesus, the Son of God. Now, and this is why the family of God, that's the church, there's this warm, affectionate family language. The first sermon I ever preached in this church, I was a guest pastor, you Coming to church is looking for a pastor. In September of uh, 2020, I show up and preach Romans 16. And this is the first verse of Romans 16. I'm probably going to preach the whole sermon again this summer because it's kind of foundational for how we should look at each other. Romans 16, he says, this is how he starts. He's going to give this long series of greetings. And greetings are important because people are important. Just like goodbyes are important because people are important. And the Apostle Paul says the first thing he says, and he's going to greet single people, he's going to greet married people. He displays this, this fascinating, healthy cross gender friendship and relationship. Listen to the first thing he says I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a, de a deaconess, a diaconoi. Servant of the church at Centria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. 
She's helped a lot of people. She's helped well. Uh, he's saying it a gentle, but with some authority. When she comes there, guys, don't blow it. Really welcome her, okay? Honor her. Our sister. And he names her. Our, he's like, our, all of us. She's our sister. She's, you know how many people she's helped? Honor her. So we seek to live out family relationships. And yes, there's invitation in. Okay, this is one of the ways we try to make this big church smaller with community groups and with flocks. If you never heard the word flock, okay, it's a group of sheep. <laughs> uh, we have elders over flocks of about 50 when you belong to this church to make the church smaller, to seek, and we're going to try to grow into this better and deeper next year to live out the family relationships that we're called to in Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is that anyone can be adopted in. That's a story to live out of. That's a story to enter. And finally, the gospel is a call to begin and continue a journey of transformation. Point three, as individuals and as a church community. That's a long way of saying Jesus changes people. He changes us. The transformational journey, the formational journey, some Christian traditions call it, a journey of transformation. Let me give you a snapshot of where this is going. Joseph, he's not going to be cocky at the end of the story. He's not a man who shoots off his mouth. He's a changed man. His transformation calls him to have faith, to trust in promises. God uses suffering. It's actually good news. God uses the suffering in our life. We don't, a lot of times, I would say most of the time, know what God's doing. Don't think you have to know what God's doing when you're suffering. Just trust him. But God does use suffering. God uses even showing him his own sin. And Joseph changes, just like we're called to change. Okay, what's that look like? If, if you're a Christian, let me speak to you really directly. If you're a Christian and you're not seeking to grow, you're not doing the right thing. If you're not seeking, like, knowing Jesus isn't just hell insurance to stick a card in your back pocket, but Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe, calls you on a journey of transformation. The best thing to do is try to get on board with that program so that God doesn't have to use dramatic stuff to wake you up. Seek to change because Jesus calls it to us. It's actually for our good. It's for our joy. So we'll know more of his peace. You know, it's so, so we'll like be used of him. So we'll live out union with him. And yeah, God loves us where we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us there. We seek, as part of the family of God, to bring the blessing of God's family into our own family. We need to seek to learn new ways of being. It's part of the transformational journey. To be gentler people, as single people, as married people, holier spouses. We need, you need to learn how to be a family member. My wife's family, sometimes there wasn't as much talk about feelings. They talked softer. 
my family was much louder. Not that you would ever imagine that or might be surprised to hear that. And people knew we spoke about our feelings while we shouted at each other. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Two people like that get married. You're an exotic creature that's weird and wonderful. We both needed to be changed. I especially needed to be gentle, needed to be around dads who knew how to repent deeply. Speak about your feelings, but have them go through a Holy Spirit filter so it doesn't come, come out in rage or anger, but comes out constructive. It's a transformational journey. The 80 people that are going to go, so we have 80 leaders. Think about this. Pray for this. We've got 80 leaders go through a 15-month training course as to gain some ground in our own transformation. And actually, we're going to be inviting the church later this year. Can you tell I'm excited about next year already? We're going to invite the church later this year and all of our community groups, share your story. Share your story with each other. We all want to be known. We need to be known and loved, you know? And if you don't have meaningful community, so that like you're, there's not, you're trying to follow Jesus, but there's not people that like know your story. It probably feels a little bit lonely. Actually, God calls us to something better and deeper. The leadership community thing starting next month. Also, okay, uh, Josh Bundy and I, we're going to have a few people on this podcast Tuesday as an invitation for the church. Here's my appeal to you as a pastor among you, amongst you. I get worried when the weather's nice. I like the good weather. Don't worry. I love it. I'm going to be out there. Uh, and also, uh, don't take a vacation from spiritual growth this summer. Our, our community group shift. The podcast is going to be, hey, folks, let's stir each other up to grow in Jesus this summer, uh, to seek first things first. We'll record it. It'll be linked in the email that goes out. The, the mega point is this, God, connecting with Jesus is a call to begin and continue a journey of transformation, all right? Joseph's going to grow. It's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be good because God is actually in control. Jesus is good. Uh, the work of Jesus, Jesus is so real and so kind that he knows our secret fears and the things that we're trying to avoid. He sees our low-grade addictions or outblown addictions, whether it's porn or alcohol, or you shop to avoid your problems, or whatever it is. Jesus already knows those things. Do you know your Father in heaven knows those things? Let's, let's act like the gospel's true. Jesus died for our sins. Maybe we could admit we have some and actually confess those to God, receive from him, and continue on the journey of transformation. And the blessed and broken family that is the church that will one day only be blessed. All the brokenness will be gone, but we're living it out. That's the invitation of the gospel. That's how good Jesus is. Uh, he is faithful, and he will do it. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Jesus, your son. Uh, we pray. I want to pray for everyone here that they would see the invitation of the gospel the good story you calls up, call us to enter for those who have not yet believed. I want to pray for people here 
who have not yet trusted in you. Pray that they believe. Enter in to a new story. Sins forgiven. Adopted into the family of God. Just as you, Jesus, enter into their lives in a different way. And Lord, we all want to reflect. We pray that you would work in this church community. We pray for grace to more faithfully live out, living out family, brothers and sisters together in a family in which you are at work. We thank you that, um, we thank you for the encouragement that you uh, change people who really need to be changed. And we see that in scripture and we see that when we look in the mirror. Uh, I'm just going to give us a minute of silence and I'll just ask you, invite you to name whatever you need to name before the Lord. What do you need to lift up to God and name to him? Uh, where is there invitation from God uh, from this text from how this points to Jesus, where is their invitation? Pray to and receive from the Lord. Let's have a minute of silence. Heavenly Father, we in awe thank you for the work of Jesus that you sent him uh, to bring us into your family. You've adopted us, placed your love on us. I pray for my brothers and sisters, and I pray along with them that you, the God of hope, will fill them with joy and peace as they believe in you, so that by the power of the Holy, Holy Spirit we may abound together in hope. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing to the Lord. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or in person on Sundays at 9 and 1045 a.m. Hope to see you there.